0: Hey folks, it's Andy Little here from the EM Over Easy podcast. It is July of 2020. Drew, Tanner, and myself are all taking the summer off to be with our families and recharge for the upcoming season of the EM Over Easy podcast. But in the midst of all this, we understand that there are many people around the world hurting. Whether it's from coronavirus, Black Lives Matters, or other episodes of social injustice, we wanted to bring to the forefront that this has been a key part of what our More Than Medicine conversations have been since starting four years ago. So rather than run our typical summer series, we've decided to highlight previous episodes where we have talked about ways that each of us can be better in the ways that we interact with people, our thought processes, and how we react to situations, and how we all can be better physicians for our patients. So weekly over the month of July, you're going to get a hand-picked episode from the three of us that highlights some of these tough and difficult conversations but are crucial to the practice of medicine. We hope you enjoy them, and we look forward to serving you again starting in September. And until next time, hope you guys enjoy.
1: Hey there, EMOVEREASY listeners, Drew here. Tanner, Andy, and I are about to embark on a journey with one of our favorite people and frequent guest, John Casey, as he introduces us to the concept of fundamental attribution error. He's going to tell us why it's so important to our practice of medicine, but also to our practice of everyday life. Now, if you'd like to join our conversation, follow us on Twitter at EMOVEREASY, find us on Facebook, and of course, visit our webpage, EMOVEREASY.com. Thanks for listening. John, thank you for joining us today. Before we get going on the conversation, I want you to introduce this concept of fundamental attribution error to our listeners, because I'm not sure everyone is going to know the term and know exactly what we're talking about before we dive into a conversation.
2: Absolutely. So uh, really excited to be here with you guys. Um, I have a real passion for this, so I like kind of bringing these concepts in. Fundamental attribution error is probably, actually for me, it was the first concept that I picked up in psychology that I saw had real applications. So I think it's a great way to start off because I think a lot of people relate to it. It was a, it was a phrase that was kind of first coined in the social psychology literature in 1977. Um, there was a gentleman um, named Lee Ross and he basically coined the term. But there had been kind of the undertow of research before that dating all the way back to the 1950s. And fundamental attribution error means that when an individual looks at another individual's behavior, you tend to apply too much credit to the personality or disposition of an individual and less so to the situation that they're in. And it actually flips when it's about yourself. So it it sounds a little complicated, but let me give you a really basic example. Everybody's probably unfortunately experienced. So if you're driving down the road and somebody speeds past you and cuts you off,
0: oh, man. your immediate
2: response <laughs> is... Hey, buddy, I got a finger for you. Yeah, right? Your immediate response after you get your finger out of the air yeah. is, you know, what a butt, what a stupid driver. You know, they, they they don't know how to drive. You know, stupid learners or stupid North Carolinian, right? It's, it's that person. Nobody ever stops to think... Oh, well, maybe they were about to miss their turn and saw an opportunity to get over. Or maybe an emergency vehicle is coming up behind them that they saw and they were really scared. Or maybe there was a bicyclist that that I couldn't see and they swerved to avoid an accident, right? That's never the first thought that comes in your life. But what about when it flips? What about when you need to get over and you cut somebody off? Sorry, people. Right. Sorry. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> I, did, I didn't see the sign back there that said I had to be in the left lane five blocks ago, and yeah. and oh, well, I saw the gap, and and you know, I, you know, if I would have known earlier, I would have got right. It, it's all about your situation.
1: And can I just do a quick public service announcement right here for all of you listening? Please drive to the merge point and then get over. Traffic <laughs> flows more efficiently. It I'm really not does. Being a jerk. No. I'm actually trying to improve flow. Yes, Sorry, there is care. science behind that. Oh, absolutely. It is absolutely right. true. Yes, and Go to yes. the merge point. But the point Say is, with me.
2: somebody has to let them in somewhere. <laughs> right. so, so so, that's kind of the, the fundamental, right? Okay. And that's why it's a fundamental attribution error. When someone does something that particularly we don't like, um, we tend to attribute that to their disposition or their personality. And where does that play in medicine? Well, we see this happen all the time. So think about it how many times particularly when you're doing your training right when you're a resident and you're just kind of learning you're just you're trying to get things sorted out and you have this view of emergency medicine and somebody comes in at one in the morning with a sore throat that they've had for two days the natural inclination of probably most providers if they're honest is what are you doing why now? are you here like what on earth would have gotten you out of bed at you know, one in the morning to come here with a sore throat you've only had for two days. Right. Right. This is a classic case. And that's a negative connotation. And that's a negative connotation. This is a very classic case of fundamental attribution error. The things that pop into your head are this person doesn't want to pay their bill, they don't take responsibility for themselves, they don't make the effort to go see their primary care doctor. They could have looked this up. They should have known this is an emergency. Like those are just the things that you think of and other people might have other, other thoughts, but you know, those, and, and so the reason that I think it's important is because you carry that baggage into the room with you when you go to see the patient and it changes who you are. It changes the way you look to them. It changes your body habits. It changes the, the way they see you and you kind of walk into the room angry or, or at least disingenuously curious as to what is going on. And so if we think about this fundamental attribution error and we take a moment, then you might turn out to find that the story really is, you know, this person is here because they work two jobs and the urgent care closes before they get off work at their second job. And they're here on a Tuesday because it was the only day that they had a child care sitter that could stay late. And so they got off work late and their first job is actually at a call center. And so for them to have a sore throat, means they're gonna miss work, they're gonna miss days of work, which just spirals into their problems. So you were really their only viable healthcare choice. They called their PCP, they'd be happy to see them in two weeks, right? And 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 that's not a slam against PCPs, they're busy too. But you were their only viable choice. But that whole conversation changes when you let go of that fundamental attribution error and when you when you take a moment to stop and look at it through other people's perspective and not put so much emphasis on their disposition or their behavior, but look at their situation. And so that's just a very classic example that that I see a lot. But I know you guys have seen it and can probably think of a thousand different times, um, you know, that that it's been there.
3: That's something I definitely identified early on in residency. I remember being frustrated on the night shift and going like, You know as as an intern you're overwhelmed with everything already and then to have one patient come in that's like a level four sore throat or cough or something you're just like oh my gosh i really don't want to go see this patient right now but i identified early too though that there is there is definitely some validity to these people that are coming in and if you anchor on those you know angry negative themes it's going to make the experience bad for you experience bad for the patient and if you can kind of twist that around and just go in with an open mind, open concept, it makes everything so much better and as i've gone on i remember being a senior resident and looking at some of the younger junior residents and when they anchor on those negative thoughts you have to correct them. That's an easy teaching point to say, "Hey, you know, there is a definite possibility that this is their only option right now." And if you can teach that early, it can make a big difference in, someone, in the way someone practices.
1: So it's interesting. I asked the same question I used to as an intern, but I ask it for completely different reasons. So I used to walk into rooms and, and I, for very bad reasons, would ask, so why are you here right now? And and it was my, me being frustrated. Yep. Uh, and, and there was nothing good that came out of that. And now I ask the same question. So what was it, kind of the same question, basically, What what is it, why now? What what made you come in right now? What What changed in your symptoms or what was the situation? And it's, so I just understand what the patient's going through. Maybe something did change that they kicked kicked them over. Or exactly what John was saying is this is the only time I could come in. I couldn't get into my PCP. I didn't know what else to do. And it helps me understand the patient's situation so I can then empathize with what's going on with them. And I can hopefully be a better provider. And the change in the way I asked that question or the reason I asked that question has directly affected my satisfaction as a physician in a positive way. For
3: sure. And then just watching you deliver those two different scenarios, you can see like your body language changes, everything changes and the patients see that too. Absolutely. So they feel better about it in the end and
2: then you feel better about it in the end too. Yeah. It's it's an amazing difference. It really does change kind of how you feel when that question, which is the exact same question, so what what happened that brought you into the emergency department today? What's what's different about this? That sounds a lot different than so what changed that brought you in the emergency department right. at 1 AM today. Of all days, you know, patients instantly read that that that
1: you know negativity, and you set yourself up for failure with the interaction, right? Because now the patient's not interested in giving you information, and maybe there is that tidbit of information that all of a sudden makes this a much more serious patient encounter. They they clue you into something that makes you think that they're sicker than they actually think they are. Or it just gives you something to go with treatment on. That otherwise, if you had shut down the interaction with that negative encounter from the start, you never would have gotten Yeah,
0: It's because almost every interaction or patient interaction I've had where things have gone south, it's been because I went in with a negative attitude. I went yeah. in saying, what are you here for today? You go in ready to fight. You were, right? instead of you, you were here seven times in the last 10 days. What are you here for? And then that's I'm the provider the one time they're there sick. Yeah. Yep. And I miss about 45 minutes of a diagnosis or an hour of a treatment that makes a difference. Um, and it's all because of caretaker fatigue, because like, you spend too much time wondering why people are there. And I think it's interesting that it's important for us to value, to recognize that in ourselves, but also in our team, team members. I mean, I, I, had, I had a case where it was a young mother came in with her two-year-old, pregnant for a second time, had um, hyperemesis, was just puking her brains out, couldn't take care of her kid. And the nurse came out, you know, th- this, th- this, uh, this, this mom's, this, this is a bad mom, why is she here? This, going off how bad this mom was, and I went and talked to the lady, and she had just moved to town her significant other was working out of state to provide for her and for their child so they wouldn't have to be on government assistance. And she was there with her two-year-old, and her, she was puking her brains out while I was in the room, and the two-year-old was playing on her iPad. I'm like, what do we need to do to help you? Rather than this negative of, you should be home taking care of your kid. It was the, the next step of, why are you really here? And it was because she needed help. And so as a provider, we have to find that for people mm-hmm. and not, not, not be so judgmental. And, so.
2: and this is why I really like these pop psychology-type um, topics, right? Because... It's actually really a little bit cathartic for everybody to kind of nod their heads and go, "Yeah, I've totally done that." Yeah. Right? I've I've participated in that, and to know that there's actually a principle in social psychology about about why that is. It's actually about kind of you know protecting your own persona and and attributing things to people so that you can identify the bad members of society. So there's reasons that this this has kind of become uh, a social principle, and and it is it's nice to know that there's a name for it and that there's a phenomena that is actually happening. Uh, I know everybody wanted to go phenomenon when I said that, yep. but thank you everyone. I love the faces. <laughs> uh, so I um, uh, so there was this great, that there's this principle out there, but it also wraps around and you can't forget the, the, the reverse of the principle, which is, and a lot of people do this instinctively because they're good folks, but it really should remind you that when you do something bad, um, you also have to pay attention to the part of it that you own. right? A lot of times, the first thing we do when we do something wrong or negative, or maybe we get called for a peer review case, or you know, a nurse calls us out because we aren't doing something that we think needs to be done, or maybe a consultant, right? You know, questions the care that we give. Our first reaction especially if they're right, especially if they're right, is to start talking about your situation. Right. Well, I have 10 other patients that I'm managing in the ER. I had 15 other things that I was supposed to do. You you don't know. Exactly exactly right. I'm just having flashbacks (laughs) of conversations where I'm like, excuse,
0: excuse, excuse. And
2: so this is why it's been so helpful to me because I will admit I have a healthy ego and that was one of the (laughs) first first things, it was one of the first times, by reading that, that it kind of was like, okay, so now that now that I know this, can I do something with it? And it took me a little while in finding a good mentor and a good life coach to kind of help me out a little bit with, with, okay, now I've got this, and what do I exactly do I do with it? But there's kind of this this blameless apology kind of concept that I do now. When somebody points out that I've done something wrong, I kind of just pause for a second and acknowledge the mistake, but I don't attribute to sources. I just own it, right? Because whoever's pointing it out usually doesn't really give a crap why you, you failed to give somebody antibiotics that clearly has meningitis. They just or, want the situation addressed exactly. and taken care of. It, exactly, yeah. right? It, it, I can unravel that later, um, but we do it because we feel like we have something to prove. Um, and so knowing both sides of the fundamental attribution error really has helped me become a much better provider. It helps me take a step back. It helps me take criticism way better, way, way better than I used to. Um, and so I'm just hoping that by kind of sharing that with others, uh, they'll be able to apply it themselves and kind of maybe read up on a little bit and think about it and, and maybe just be able to apply that one, little, that one little aspect to their everyday career maybe have a, a better day because of it. So before we go too far down kind of the second pathway that you started,
1: I have no doubt that most of our listeners were nodding their head going, yes, I absolutely have walked in the room. I've made that bad assumption. I've had that bad patient encounter. I've made those mistakes before, and some of them have addressed it. Some of them haven't. What is your advice to our listeners to begin to make that – permanent change in the way you approach these patients so that you can have more positive outcomes and interactions?
2: Right. The very first step, which is the hardest one, is taking the time to think about it. And that really just requires that, um, and I found the easiest way was to have a check partner That. Basically, find that person that's willing to kind of call you out or help you out. You know, if you say, if you see me doing this, I I want you to point it out, right? And we have great nursing colleagues and techs and, you know, paramedics that that will do that for you. And all you do, you don't have to tell them why you're doing it. Just say, when you see me or hear me say something like this, could could you just point it out? You're not responsible for what happens after that, but just I want you to point it out. I'm trying to do a little self-improvement. Once you start doing it, it's amazing how you see it in pretty much every interaction that you Absolutely. do. And that's that's just the first part. And once you're aware of it, you know, it's kind of the it's it's the whole the more you know thing. Once once you're aware of it, then you can take your own actions to address it. And and recognizing that when you still do it, it's okay. But now you have the power to kinda of at least be able to step back and you go, you know what? When I came in here with that cranky attitude about why you were here, I apologize for that. I made some assumptions that were really bad. I've actually had that conversation with a patient. You know, hey, you know, we didn't get off to the best start, and that's totally my fault because I came in here and made some assumptions that were really bad about you, and I bet you made some assumptions because of my assumptions that were really bad about me. I'm actually a nice guy, and I want to help take care of you. Let's start this over. Can we do a redo? And and invariably patients are like, you just see them; their shoulder something like "thank you," like "yeah, we can do it over." I
0: have to yeah. but I've never actually had one of those go bad. Yeah, like maybe may, maybe I'm fortunate, but it, hey, I screwed up. They're, yeah, they're always very very forthcoming with more information and very like the interaction just right. dramatically improves. So, and, and I don't
1: think you even have to be that, that blunt. blunt about it. Right. You can truly you you kind of get that sense the conversation has gone awry. Maybe you've made some assumptions, some comments, some posturing that the patient's picking up on, and mm-hmm. you just look at them like, "Listen, I'm I'm on your team. I'm here. I want to take care of you." You, you sit down, you look at them in the eye, you, you you know, put your hand on their their leg, hold their hand, whatever the case may be and actually get that personal interaction with them and that resets the situation right guess, there and yeah. then you can go forward and sometimes you do have to straight out apologize for your actions or, or yeah. sometimes you apologize just because the that resets yeah. the situation yeah. even though you didn't actually the do bl- anything. The
2: blameless apology. Blameless apology. Sorry yeah. you feel that
1: way. It goes a long yeah. way. Let me see what I can do. I'm, I'm sorry you're frustrated. Let me, let me go.
2: And when you recognize truly that it's a universal principle and you start thinking about what other people are thinking and the patient comes up to the desk really mad because you told them you would discharge them and it's been 20 minutes, but they didn't realize that in the meantime, because now it's about your situation, <laughs> you had a really sick kid that came in, they don't know your situation. So their attribution to you is, you're just a slow doc, you didn't care for me, you didn't take... and so that blameless apology, not trying, to, not trying to solve the world's problems, just recognizing that if you walk out of a room and tell somebody you're gonna go straight to the desk and discharge them, And it's 30 minutes later and you have it you messed up it doesn't matter why it's okay to just say hey i'm really sorry about that i'm going to fix that right now most of the time i haven't really had anybody when i do that go well no that's not sufficient i want you to take longer right (laughs) Right. it's you know Mm. just never had that experience
3: what i love about this concept is that it is once once you know what it is it is so logical to just see that situation occur over and over and over and if you can find ways to identify it in your own life, it's, it's so much easier to improve and, and a very easy... Well, it's actually an easy fix once, is. once you is.
1: realize yeah. you're doing it. Yep. And it's an easy fix that makes a huge impact on you and your patient interactions, and honestly can make a huge impact on the entire department on the day that you're working when you're not making those. Along those same lines, we obviously, and we alluded to it earlier in the conversation, we see this happen with other people. We see this happen with our co-physicians, with our staff Staff. emergency department and that can create a negative environment for you to walk into even though you're trying to go in there and do the right thing and and not have that how and this is a little more delicate than addressing it with yourself or asking somebody to point it out to you how do you address that with your colleagues in the emergency department setting or, or any medical setting to point it out to
2: them to help avoid that from happening So, most of the time, and it is a delicate conversation, and I think the most delicate part of the conversation, and it's the part that I used to have the hardest time with and now is a little easier, is the timing of the conversation. Uh, You guys know from my EMS background, right, one of the things that I always kind of preach about it is if some bad patient care or questionable patient care has occurred, the time to bring it up to the EMS provider is not as they're just handing off the patient, right, because they've just brought you a gift and nobody wakes up trying to do a bad job and that's not the time to yeah maybe maybe well, somebody now. does drew has got skeptical so, face yeah, yeah skeptical face about that some mornings yes but you have to you have to assume that they they really were doing what they thought was the best anticipation. and and almost nothing gets solved when you when you approach them at that moment it's it's the wrong moment and so when somebody's really tied up invested in a situation when they're really kind of when they're really hunkered down and they've kind of dug in that deep, that is really not the time to address it. But what I what I have found is after that acute kind of situation is blown over, you can generally go back to people and just say, hey, you know, I noticed that this particular situation had you really frustrated. Can can I can I ask you something just that I want you to think about? And when you put it that way and and I actually don't I just kind of say did you did you dig a little bit deeper about the situation or is it just kind of that that patient kind of fit that profile Um, and and the thing is that I actually really don't care about their answer I just want to plant that seed, and I found that to be a much better because if they're interested and open to that idea they're going to start engaging in the conversation like, what do you mean, and, and what did you see, or what did I do? Because most of the time people aren't aware. They don't know what it looks like right? because they're, they're so in it. And, and if you're not ready to receive that information, yeah. it, you're just you're wasting your time. Absolutely. So, and I think that's the thing. Learn when to land. I,
3: I think I've seen how that can, can work really easily when you approach it from just like the back door where you go and see the patient come out, and you're sitting back, you know, documenting stuff, and that – staff member, or other provider comes up and you can just say, you know what, I actually kind of feel bad for that patient because, and that you're putting all the onus of the whole situation on right, you right? and planting the seed in their brain to, yeah. it, to kind of recheck themselves and say, hey, you know what, maybe I, maybe I took that situation a little wrong or that scenario a little off kilter.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You don't, and again, it's that you own, you own the part and that the, you're not dismissing the other provider's. Uh, feelings. In fact, if you really understand the fundamental attribution error, you, you know why they think that. Yeah. And that is actually a little bit refer- you, you, you know that its get it. that it's you get it, you understand. And so it's, it can help you understand that situation and navigate it much more uh, much much easier in a much better way.
1: Awesome. John, I think this is a good spot to end part one of the conversation. I think there are multiple parts uh, to have to this, and this is just step one. So, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having yeah. me. Uh, psychology. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next time we have the conversation and uh, our next thanks breakfast at DK Diner. Excellent. Thanks for joining, yeah. and thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. This is, this is no problem. Yeah. This is yeah. Yes. You want to do? It? No, go for it. You sure? You seem very confident. <laughs> Falsely confident. That's that's what I've been doing recently. Hey, how you doing, Drew? Oh, I'm fantastic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> for those audio listeners, he was convulsing in the corner there. He may have wet himself.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, that's how I feel most of the time when I'm making correct medical decisions. I'm like, oh,
2: oh it's on me. Okay.